message today is help. I'm offended. Help. <laughs> oh, oh, we got some. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Help. I'm offended. You know, people are offended in and for different reasons. And we live in a day that seems like everyone is getting offended about something, one thing or another, right? And today I want to talk more specifically about your relationship with God and with other, other believers, other believers when it comes to the subject of being offended. In other words, I'm talking about being offended in the church. And I want to address this because of my love for you as a pastor and my heart for you to succeed in your walk with the Lord. And there are three main areas that I see in the church where a person could possibly possibly be offended. And we're going to go over those today. The first one is offended by God. The second one is offended by leaders in the church. The third is offended by my church family. So let's take a look at these one by one. And we'll start out with God. Now you say, are people offended by God? Yeah, we'll just look at Jesus. How many people were offended by Jesus? And Jesus is God in human flesh. That's the flesh out of seeing people offended by God. It's when Jesus walked the earth. If you take a look at Matthew chapter 15, I'll be there most of the time today. Matthew chapter 15. I want to show you a contrast here between a, a group of people that were offended and contrast that right after that to a person who had every right to be offended by Jesus, but they weren't, and, and show you the difference, okay? So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 15, verse 1. Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to see Jesus, and they asked him, why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. They don't wash their hands. They're breaking our tradition. And then if you look down at verse 10, Matthew 15, 10, it says, then Jesus called to the crowd to come near. Now, in between these verses, uh, Jesus has, if you want to look at it later on today when you go home, he just, he lets them have it. Okay, he lets them have it. But uh, I just want to get to the point here that he is saying, Jesus called to the crowd, come here, listen, he said, and, um, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You know, he's talking about hand washing. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. And then Verse 12 says, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize? No, here it is. Watch this. The disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees? You offended them. Now, that word offended in the original language in the Greek is the root word is scandalon, scandalon, which is where we get the word scandal. Now, Back in the day when they were using this word, it had a little bit of a different meaning that I'll get into, but it wasn't until about the 1500s, 1590, that the word grew into what we know it as today, 
which is that you know someone is involved in shameful or disgraced uh, behavior that caused a scandal, right? And so, but if you look at the original word here in the Greek, it means this. Let's take a look at this. It means to cause a person to begin to distrust and desert one whom he ought to trust and obey, to be offended in one, for example, to see in another what I disapprove of and what hinders me from acknowledging his authority. Now, I copied and pasted that right out of the Strong's Concordance. I'm not, I'm not adding anything or subtracting anything. That is in the original. So it means literally that someone is looking for a point of distrust in somebody else. This, and in this particular case, it was Jesus, so that they would not have to obey his authority. Very interesting. And uh, does that sound like what's happening here? Yes. So they are looking for an excuse in a religious way to not follow or obey Jesus. And then look at verse 13. Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into the ditch. Yeah, Jesus just comes right out there and just lays it on the line. There's no questioning what Jesus says. You know, it's like, wait, wait, did you? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, I got that. I got that. So then uh, look at verse 17. Go down to verse 17. Anything you eat, now he's going to get real descriptive here. Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. But the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. I can hear kids across America going, yes, Jesus said I don't have to wash my hands. The Bible says it, Mom. The Bible says it. I don't care. You get in there and you wash your hands right now. (laughs) Oh, man. So the religious leaders were offended by what Jesus said. Can I just say that if you're ever offended by something Jesus says or something that he does, there's a real good chance that you're wrong and he's right. In fact, let me just say it's like 100%, right? When you're reading the Bible, if you're reading something and you get offended, I want to encourage you to study that scripture and don't let it go until you find out the true meaning because you know God's heart and you know his character and you know what the rest of the Bible says. But dig in and find out what that scripture is meaning because I guarantee you when you dig in and find out what that scripture means, you will love God a whole lot more. Your understanding will grow. Let me give you just an example. We're going to take a little detour here and go to Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Here's a verse that if you just read it off the cuff, you might get offended by this, okay? Uh, Luke 14, 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What? You want me to hate my family? Okay, what does that mean? 
oh, I'm offended by that, Jesus. Okay, well, let's dig a little bit deeper and find out what he's saying there. I know, well, just think about this. Okay, when you start to think, just step back for a second and think about it. Jesus made moms and dads. Jesus made families. He's God, right? Amen? So he designed everything with his father. So you got to put two and two together here. What is he? Well, I love what the New Living Translation says in that passage. It says, if um, anyone comes to me and does not uh, hate by comparison in their love for God, hate by comparison, that's a good way to put it. And how many times have we seen this? A person gets saved in a family. It's usually one person that gets saved, right, first, and then all of a sudden, Man, talk about the light coming in and there's division. Jesus said, I'm, I'm coming to bring in some division here. I'm coming in here to stir things up. And, and people get upset by your believing in Jesus, right? And they're going to go one way or the other. They're going to say, yeah, I believe in Jesus too. Or they're going to say, I, I can't have nothing to do with you. And then later on, a lot of times they'll come and say, hey, I want the Jesus that you're, you're living for because... Uh, I see the change in your life, and I want Jesus in my life. And the point is he wants people to get saved, and he's in it for people to get saved. And what he's saying here is I want you to put me first before your family, before your love for your own wife or your own child. Don't love them more than you love me, God is saying. You know, because if you don't, then it's all going to be out of line. And so Jesus knows how to get you there real quick by something he's going to say. And he gets you there real quick. Oh, man, what are you saying? What are you saying? Okay, I get it. I get it. God first. I got it. I got it, Jesus. All right. You're not messing around, right? Amen? Amen. 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 We have to read all of Scripture as well, not just one little verse. We've got to pull all the Scripture together. In fact, just the passage that I'm reading from today, you know that little blurb that I said I left out, and you can go back and read it later? Do you know that when he's coming at the, the religious leaders, he's saying, uh, you are telling people not to give gifts to their parents and yet give what they would have given to their parents, give it to God. And he said, that's wrong. So you say that Jesus doesn't love parents? No, read it. Read everything. Read everything about Scripture, and you'll find out. Get the whole of Scripture. Jesus loves parents. Jesus loves kids. Remember, he said you can't even... Enter the kingdom of heaven if you're, unless you're like one of these little ones. Uh, and he said, don't mess, don't offend one of these little ones. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So another one, another good one is that the fifth commandment in the Ten Commandments is to honor your father and mother. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, take the hate part and put it in context of he wants us to have God first. That's just an example of how you might by reading scripture for the first time, get offended at something, but let it have its work in you and dig deep until God changes you and changes your perspective. So let's take a, let's take a contrast to what we just read about the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They were being offended by what Jesus said. Let's contrast that with the very next thing that happens. And that's Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Then Jesus left Galilee. This is right after this. 
and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. I, I, you know, I didn't see the Pharisees coming and worshipping Jesus. I didn't see them bowing down before him and pleading with him and begging him. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children, that's talking about Israel, and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is, is, your request is granted, and her daughter was instantly healed. Now, if there's anybody that could be offended by Jesus, it would be this woman, right? Mm -hmm. she, Jesus called her, essentially called her a dog and said, you know, scraps, right? Does Jesus, when you read this, just in case you're offended by what Jesus said, does Jesus believe that she's a dog? No. But I'll tell you what, a lot, a lot of the religious elite in Jesus' day believed that she was a dog by their attitude. And Jesus is echoing their attitude to her. You follow that? Yeah. He's, well, you know, and, you know hey, we, th this is what's being said. You, you only get the leftovers, and you, you guys, you Gentiles, are dogs. Right? Right, woman? Right? Yeah, but then she comes back with faith. She's not offended. Why? Because she loves her daughter. And she doesn't care. I don't care what you're saying right now, Jesus. I need my daughter healed. I know you love me. I know you love her. And I'm going to keep pressing in and get my answer from you. Now, here's a thought. You step back just a little bit about this whole scene. Think about it. The woman that Jesus is talking to was created by the one that is talking to her. He designed her. He made her. She is fearfully and wonderfully made. God in human flesh is talking to her. And last time I saw in the Bible, God is love. The embodiment of love is standing before her and talking with her. Not only that, but Jesus' plan was to die for her, to die for her to give his own life for her so that she could be saved. And beyond the plan of who he's reaching in those moments, the lost sheep of the house of Israel, his grander plan is not that. His grander plan in, do, in following the Father's will is to reach the whole world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when he's looking at her, he's looking at one of his own. And... If you, if you look at it, there's some offense happening even in the disciples. Take a look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 4 through 6. I want to show you something. This is just another little detour here. 
Jesus answered and said, this is talking about John the Baptist. Go and tell John. John was in prison. He wants to know, Jesus, are you the one? Are you the, are you the Messiah? Go and tell John things which you hear and see the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to him. Now watch this. I hadn't really seen this like I did this time around. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. I want to look at something here with this passage again. Did you notice, going back to the passage we're in today, Matthew chapter 15, did you notice that the disciples said, she is bothering us with all of her begging? That is the thought of the day. And that is what Jesus is echoing to her because his disciples have that same attitude. The attitude that he just came from with the religious leaders who were offended and didn't care one bit about people. The disciples who had that same attitude that said, this is a bother, this is a bother to us. Isn't it a bother to you, Jesus? Yeah, and we kind of catch the vibe that you're given to. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we don't have time for this, right? So, but Jesus said, no, 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 no. That's not why I came. Yes, Jesus is focused on the, the Jews, and yes, he has a greater plan, and that's to reach the world. But let's not be offended by God. So what do we do if we ever get offended by God or offended by Jesus? Who needs to change? We do, we do right? Just keep that in your mind. God is perfect. I am not. I need to change. He does not need to change. Amen. Amen. So the second one is offended by leaders, and specifically leadership in the church. I want to make a little disclaimer uh, about this. If you are in a church and you're continually being abused, hurt, treated poorly by leadership in a local church, guess what? It's time for a new church. Get to a church where you uh, are going to be safe and where you can safely trust the shepherds who are loving and caring for you. If you're not in a place like that, get out. It's, there's, no, there's no reason for you to, to uh, you say, well, uh, you know, it's just offensive. Yeah, well, just, just find a place where it's, you're not dealing with the character flaws one after another with a leader who has never, not been healed and a leader who's not safe you know, the condescending and, and all of that. Just get, don't, don't put yourself in that. Having said that, the reason why I wanted to, to cover the subject today is for the love and care for the flock that Jesus has given me as a leader, as a shepherd. I want to tell you this as well. If I ever say anything that offends you, I have a favor to ask of you. If I say something that offends you in service or I do something anytime, that offends you, please come to me. Please come to me and talk to me. I'm not going to yell at you and say you're wrong. I want to hear you. I want to listen to what you have to say. Make an appointment because I want to hear your heart and maybe answer uh, a question that you may have, something that you said. If what I'm saying is something that Jesus said, then then refer to step number one in this <laughs> message, right? Uh, but it's something that I said or something that I did, please come to me. And I also want you to know in giving this message today that there's not some kind of situation at church that I needed to address, and so that's why I'm bringing this message. Not at all. 
I'm bringing this message because uh, I've actually I've never brought this message before. And I've watched over the years, I've been doing this for almost 15 years now as a senior pastor, and I've watched over the years this happen to people where they get offended. And unfortunately, some people, I've watched this happen over again, some people just disappear. And you, where did so-and-so go? They just disappeared. And then a few weeks later, you're talking to somebody and they say, oh, I found out why so-and-so isn't here. Oh, yeah, why? Well, they were offended. They were offended by something you said or something you did, or they were offended by something somebody in the church said or something that they did. And my whole heart to that is, why didn't you let me know? Here's the point. If you really felt like you were being hurt in the church and you just disappeared, what does that say for your own credibility and your love for people that if I was hurting somebody, that you would want that to stop and not, and not have other people get hurt as well, right? Amen. So I need to know. I need to know. So we need to communicate. It's not always the, the easiest thing uh, to do, but it is so much better when we communicate. When we communicate. Here's another thought. A person disappears. They go away because they're offended. And think about it. Sometimes they'll never go back to church. So in their own spiritual walk, in their own spiritual growth, they're going to spend the rest of their life not growing because you have to be in fellowship to grow. They'll spend the rest of their life not being encouraged and supported by other believers, all because they were offended, all because they didn't take the time to find out and to communicate. So please communicate. Talk, don't walk. Make an appointment. So that's leadership. The third one is help. I'm offended by church family. Now, now at some point, this is going to happen because of just people. Listen, people say dumb things, and people do dumb things, and it just happens. But if you get offended and say, oh, I was hurt by so-and-so, all you Christians are the same, and I'm out of here and all that, then, uh, yeah, just go have a, a pity party. Hopefully you'll come back. We want you to come back. But here are, here are, boy, if we can get a hold of this, man, you will grow by leaps and bounds if you can get to the point where you're not offended. Amen. 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 So um, someone once said, I wish I knew, this is author unknown. I wish I knew, it didn't say who wrote this, but it was basically uh, author unknown. It said a theologian said this, but they didn't give their name. Uh, I really loved what they said about offense. Someone once said, offense is a spiritual seed and that there are four ways those seeds try to get in and grow in us. Here are the four ways. Number one, what others said to us. All some people ever hear in their lives, they can hear a lot of things, but they hear the, the, the cutting, the abrasive words. They hear the sarcasm, the sarcastic comments, and they pierce like a sword. And then the second one is what others do not say to us. You could be offended because you don't feel appreciated. You know, no one ever says thank you to you or compliments your efforts. You can get offended by that. The third one is what others did to us, those negative actions and reactions, selfish actions and humiliating experiences. I've heard People get hurt in church. They were humiliated in front of everybody. That should never happen in a church. Have somebody stand up and embarrass them somehow. Yeah. 
That should never, ever happen. A humiliating experience can cause the seed of offense to germinate in our hearts. When you're cut out of discussions which have a bearing on what you do, but uh, you're not included, often through ignorance or even when deliberately not being included, you feel unvalued, disrespected, worthless, and not a part of the team. Oh, God, let that not happen here. Let that not happen here. We want everyone to feel included, everyone to feel loved, and everyone to feel like they're a part of the team. Amen. Amen. And then the fourth one, what people didn't do for us by way of favor or assistance uh, that we, we didn't receive. You know, they, they didn't do that. or they, 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 You know, no one visited me or no one called me or whatever, you know, that kind of disposition. And so there will be times in a local church family, there will be times where you go through these things, these four that I just mentioned. I, in fact, I almost guarantee it you're going to go through one of those maybe today, <laughs> maybe next Sunday. If these things happen, folks, so much of our perspective has to do, even with things that we were hurt by as kids, come up when we're trying to relate to one another. And if that hasn't been healed, you could hear things totally a different way than they were meant. Uh, we, when we get hurt, it can turn into bitterness. And that bitterness can turn into a, a bitter root judgment that, man, everybody is that way. Or all men are that way. Or all women are that way. And then a woman talks to you or a man talks to you in church, and it just goes through that filter of what you were hurt by. And you say, man, you are the same way. You People are all the same way because there's so much hurt inside. But listen, that needs to get healed so you can grow and be healthy, right? We need to get to a place where we're healed and we are overcomers. Man, it doesn't matter what you dish at me. I'm an overcomer. I'm going, I'm going anywhere. I'm actually getting ahead of myself because I'm all fired up about this. I'm all fired up about this. So, so it, it, it is, I, I think, guaranteed that you're, at some point you're going to have these types of things happen to you. And my love for you and our church family is that we get to the point we are, where we are unoffendable. That means as a church family, we love each other. That means we forgive each other. That means we speak good things about each other and to each other, right? We speak blessings to each other. We don't talk behind people's backs. We don't talk down to people. We are kind to each other. We communicate honestly with each other, and we are not offended. In other words, the famous words, cry yourself a river, build a bridge, and get over it. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, I've been in church for a lot of years, and I can tell you, as I said earlier, that people say dumb things. They do dumb things, and you know what? Our job is to forgive. Like I said, if you're in a place where the leadership is just bad and people are getting hurt, and you know that's one thing. But if you're in a healthy place and you uh, have somebody say something dumb or do something dumb, then it's time for you to forgive. It's time for you to, to get over it and not be offended. I want us to get to a place as believers in our church that you say, ain't nothing or nobody going to take me out of this church. Amen. Amen. 
Don't let the devil take you out because you get offended. Amen. Sometimes being offended in church is a generational thing. It can be a generational thing where, you know, great-grandpa so-and-so got offended in church, and then he told you about it when you were growing up, when you were going to Sunday school. Oh, yeah, I don't go to church anymore. They hurt me in that place. I'm never going back. And you go, yeah, but I love Jesus, but you keep hearing your grandpa say that. And then that kind of passes over to you, especially when somebody hurts you in church and say, well, grandpa always said this, or my dad always said this, and they're not going to church anymore. So guess what? I'm not going to do the same. Well, guess what? You're going to be stunted in your spiritual growth and be just like they are. You got to get over it. You got to be strong. You need to be the one that breaks the tie this time. You need to be the one that stands up and says, not anymore, Satan. I am not going anywhere. I'm staying in the house of God. I'm going to be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't let the enemy take you out, and don't let people take you out. Amen? Amen. Get to the place, get to the place, believer, where you are unoffendable. You cannot offend me. I love you. You cannot offend me. Yeah, but how about this one? Let me throw out this one. As, you know, the enemy is speaking through somebody's mouth. How about this one? Nope, ain't going to work either. That ain't going to See, you got to have that resolve within you that nothing's going to take me out. Amen? Amen. I'll just use this quick example, and then we'll be done. When I was growing up, college kind of always was out there as something. My grades in high school weren't that good. And college was something always seemed like a big mountain. And when I got into ministry, I knew that God was calling me to, um, to finish that. That was a personal thing. I'm not saying that to, for you. Some people hear that and go, oh, wow, he did that. That means I need to go to Bible college too. Or I need to go finish my degree. No, 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 that's not, what, that's not the point of me saying this. I'm saying it because when I, look at, when I looked at that mountain, I thought to myself, by golly, I'm going to finish my degree. I had the resolve that said, I don't care how boring a professor is. I don't care how hard a class is. I don't care what happens. I am going to cross the finish line and get my bachelor's degree. And yes, there was boring teachers. And yes, there was hard times. I worked full-time and did full-time school at, at a season. And there were times I stood in my room and I cried because it was tough. But I said to myself, I'm not giving up. I am going to get my degree. And I did. And the same is true with being in church. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I'm going to love you through it, and I'm not going anywhere. I am not going anywhere. Amen? Amen. Get healed. Get healed in Jesus' name. Let's all stand as we close out the service today. Did you receive something today? Amen. Amen. Father God, I pray that your healing hand would go throughout this room. And for those that are watching online, Lord, I pray that if anyone truly is offended, that today would be their day, not only of healing, but of spiritual growth, where they get to the point where they are unoffendable. 
by your Holy Spirit. Oh, a person will grow in leaps and bounds if they can grab a hold of this word today. And God, I thank you for strengthening our church. I thank you for strengthening our church family, that we will have each other's back, that we will love each other through it all, that we will forgive, that we will not gossip or slander or speak down to people, that we will love people unconditionally, that we will help people through whatever they're going through, that we will notice people and reach out to them and love them the way that you love them. You don't look at people as dogs. You look at them as treasured people of the kingdom. And we get to to believe that the same about people. God, I just pray right now for the offended heart would be healed. And I pray, Lord, that things that were said or done to them, even in childhood, would be healed right now miraculously in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit as you bring those things to people's memories of where they were left out or abandoned or or spoken down to you, or somebody said something to them, or maybe it was in church. God, whatever it is, heal those hearts right now in Jesus' name.